We'll be in Isaiah 61 today, so you may want to open your Bibles there and be able to follow along in the verses that we'll be covering. We've been walking through uh, several texts from this book. Um, they looked ahead to this uh, future date when the nation of Israel, would, because of their refusal to honor God, uh, would be carried away into captivity and exile in Babylon. And then Isaiah calls them to do a couple things. And the first thing we saw that he, he's calling them in that place, um, they should cry out to God and they should have a longing of their hearts for the windows of heaven to be cast open and so for God's presence uh, to be experienced and seen again as it had on Mount Sinai long before. And then second, we saw last week that what would God's response be to people who had hearts like that? And their response was, comfort, comfort my people. God's glory and his presence uh, would be seen and they would be known again. And he's going to send one uh, before him to prepare the way for that. Both texts had application specifically to the nation that would eventually be in exile, but they also looked ahead foremostly to the coming of Christ in the, the first advent after a very, very long wait. John the Baptist came calling the people to repentance in preparation for when God would then open up the heavens and Jesus, God in the flesh, would bring his presence right here on earth. Today we want to see the fulfillment of the promise as Isaiah talks about it in Isaiah 61. This, this promise of release from exile and captivity. And the promises are fulfilled. Again, it has an application for the nation right then. Uh, but then it's looking ahead um, to the first advent and coming of Christ and even beyond that as well. So Isaiah has been writing about this future time in the nation when they're going to get carried away into exile. And he writes about their homecoming. I love that word. And God is going to work and he's going to do a marvelous thing. And Isaiah 61 begins with that. Verses 1 and 2, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. To summarize that, basically God is saying, uh, there's gonna, he's declaring freedom for the people. The word uh, comes first to this nation when they're in exile. They've been, they've been torn out of their homes. They were carried off to Babylon. Uh, their land was decimated. Their homes were leveled. The walls of the city, uh, when, they, when Babylon came in, were, were torn down, which is a picture of all their security is gone. And their temple is turned into dust, which was a symbol of God's presence and favor. The people, they're poor, they're destitute, they have nothing of their own. They're brokenhearted, they're captive, and they're imprisoned. In Isaiah 40, uh, God promised comfort. He said there would be a highway built back to their home. And now they hear this great message from Isaiah 61. There's good news, there's, there's freedom. Verse 4 says that they're going to build up the ancient ruins. They will raise up their former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. They get to go back and make a home again, to begin to put things right, to, to not be a people exiled and abandoned and forgotten, but people who are embraced and blessed. It, it speaks to the restoration of their community. Um, and so Isaiah, as he predicts that they're going to be carried away, we get these great words that when you are there, God is going to is going to keep his promises 
and bring you back. He's going to bring freedom. The phrase when it says to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor is, is the Old Testament language of jubilee. Um, when every 50 years, supposedly, they didn't uh, practice it very often, but every 50 years the, the debts were wiped out, bond slaves were to be freed, uh, food was provided for everyone, and, and the land and the people were to spend a year at rest. The year began with a blast from the ram's horn on the Day of Atonement, um, which is a, a picture of the atonement that Christ did for us on the cross that, that frees us from our bondages of sin and gives our souls rest from the burden of sin. What good news to hear that this day was coming when, when the fullness of what Jubilee was meant to be in even better was going to be realized for them. They were going to have a future better day coming when the people in Babylon would be freed to return to their land and they would get to experience the fulfillment of this promise. The passage then goes on to tell them um, what they had while they were exiled and then what they will get instead. Instead is a great word. Um, they have one reality and it's not a good one. But instead of what they thought would be their forever lot in life, instead they're going to get something else, a new reality. And Isaiah speaks of three things here, three insteads. First one he says, instead of ashes on their head, they get a beautiful headdress. During times of sorrow and calamity, uh, people would often shave their head. Uh, we see that in Job when he, in, uh, when he tears his clothes and he shaves his head. Um, and then they would put ashes on their head. It's, it's, it's like they've died. It's a picture of loss. It's a picture of defeat. That was the nation in Babylon. And it's also the picture of everyone who is lost in sin. And Isaiah says, instead of that, they get this beautiful headdress. And it's either referring to the, the, the laurel wreath that victors would get, or it's also could, it's quite possibly referring to these people who would create these elaborate headdresses uh, that they would wear during times of feasting and, and rejoicing. And so instead of shaved head and ashes and all the despair, they get this festival of delight and joy. Second, he says, instead of mourning and grief, they get the oil of gladness. Uh, they would anoint their heads during times of uh, celebrating, uh, probably something they had not done at all during the seven, 70 years in exile. Um, it was costly and it was extravagant and it symbolized blessing. And of course, we know in the New Testament, it symbolizes the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. The same idea is in verse 7 of Isaiah 61 when it says, Instead of shame, they will get a double portion and they will have everlasting joy. So instead of mourning and grief, they get everlasting joy. What a, a great word. Um, if you remember in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the, that one candy, the everlasting gobstopper, it's candy that, that never gets smaller no matter how long you suck on it. Here they have joy that never, never runs out. And then third, instead of a faint spirit, they get a garment of praise. A faint spirit, I think all of us have experienced what that is. It's when you, you're in bed in the morning, you don't want to get out. Um, you, just, you, you just want to turn over and pull the sheets over your head. It's, it's when you're, um, you don't want to get out of bed, you, you don't even want to get dressed, you don't want to enter into the day. Uh, it's when you're spent and depleted um, and it, it goes down to the very core of your spirit, you feel it. Instead of that, they're going to get out, they're kind of going out on town clothes. They're, 
It's like the garments of festivity. It's like they're gonna wake up from the dead and they're gonna weep out of bed in anticipation of that day and all that that day will bring. It's completely the opposite kind of spirit. We heard that in our call to worship from Psalm 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Our mouth was filled with laughter, our tongues with the shouts of joy. And all this goodness they will get instead of sorrow and ruin is repeated again in verses 10 and 11 of Isaiah 61. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and her bride adorns herself with jewels. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as the garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all nations. Isn't that awesome? Instead of ashes on their head, they get a beautiful headdress. Instead of mourning and grief, they get the oil of gladness. And instead of a faint spirit, they get a garment of praise. And with all of this as their new reality, they're going to be called, it says, oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord resulting in God being glorified. It's, it comes out of Isaiah 60, verse 21 as well, when it says, your people shall be righteous. They shall possess the land forever. The branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I might be glorified. Uh, oaks are mighty and immovable. Their roots go deep. They take a long time to grow. The, but the people are getting a new identity. It says that, says who they will be. And in their new identity, they belong to God. They're his planting. Isn't this a great passage? Um, imagine this promise being given and then realized by those who are in captivity to see that all come about. Of course, this was not completely fulfilled. And for the nation, they got a taste of it. Like so many of these things, their, their return was a shadow of the real fulfillment yet to come that Isaiah was actually speaking about. And it comes from Emmanuel, God with us. With the birth, the life, the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus, we see all the wonder of Isaiah 61 come alive. We won't look at it today, but if uh, in your Advent readings you, you read Mary's song of praise and Zechariah's prophecy in Luke 1, the kind of rejoicing and praise and the words of hope that they choose are very, sound very much like Isaiah 61. But let's turn to Luke 4. This should be familiar, beginning with verse 16. Jesus has, has been tempted in the wilderness, and he's come out, and he's in his, in his back in his hometown. Uh, verse 16, he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. So Jesus unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And Jesus rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of the entire synagogue were fixed on him. And Jesus said, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus reads uh, from these parts of Isaiah, and we discover that the one who's, who's saying these words, 
when it says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The one who's saying it, those words were from Jesus. Also note in Isaiah 61.1, and the quote here in Luke 4, we have, uh, you'll notice the whole Trinity is present there. The Spirit of the Lord, which is the Father, is upon me, which is Jesus. And Jesus says, these words which were given all that long time ago, these words were about me. I am the fulfillment of this promise. What did Jesus come to do? He was anointed by the Spirit at baptism, and he goes out proclaiming good news to the poor, liberty to captives, recovery of sight for the blind, liberty for the oppressed. He proclaims jubilee. Advent is marked by waiting, longing, and at the end of all that waiting is the advent of Christ, born in a manger, the Messiah, God himself, who comes to do the work of ministry, but most importantly, to do the work of redemption so that the, the truths of Isaiah 61 can actually penetrate and be part of our very soul. Scriptures say all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us outside of Christ are destitute of spirit, broken, captive to sin, bound up in lostness. We are in exile from God, from our own selves, and from other people. So Jesus comes, and through the work on the cross, he brings good news. He binds up our souls. He delivers us from the penalty and power of sin and death. Our debt of sin is covered, and we enter his rest. The soil of our hearts that the enemy has taken is restored. We are crowned and clothed with righteousness. We are strengthened in our spirit. We are called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. If you don't know Jesus today, those gifts are waiting for you. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we live in a season of pandemic where people are eager looking for and awaiting a cure or a vaccine. The ultimate disease we're all born with is sin. And the cure does not come through a vial or through antibodies, but comes through God who became flesh and took that sin unto himself so that we could have life. Confess your sin, your lostness, Confess that without Jesus and his work on the cross, you're exiled from God. Confess it. Put all of your trust in Jesus who covered our debt and promises and offers life and freedom instead. And you can do that right now. Trusting in Jesus gives life instead of death, hope instead of despair, and joy instead of sorrow. And for those of us who already know Jesus, this message continues to be good news every day. We often still have this rubble in our life, don't we? Hit, And we need God to come in and build up those ancient ruins. We have times that our spirit is faint, and when there's grief, and when there's sorrow, when we're, we're weighed down. Each day we need to remember who we now are. Beloved, freed, clothed in garments of praise, Oaks of righteousness, God is still at work in us. Lastly, as Isaiah 61 looked ahead to the exiles in Babylon, and then more importantly, looked ahead to the advent of Christ, it looks even further beyond to the second advent. Jesus came as fulfillment of this passage. He brought rescue and redemption. Yet we don't have to look hard to know that sin and trouble still remain, that, that the world is still not the way it's supposed to be. 
that the kingdom already is, but it's not yet. Part of the beauty of this text that we've looked at is to let us know the story is not over. As Jesus finished the work of redemption on the cross, so he will complete everything else as well. So in the meantime, we need to allow him to work in us and to work through us as we carry on that work that he began and as we anticipate the wondrous completion of everything that he has promised. Let's pray. Lord, you have brought good news. You have healed our broken hearts. You have freed us from the captivity of sin. You bring comfort in our mourning. You've crowned us with righteousness instead of ashes. You've given us joy and gladness and praise instead of a faint spirit. You've made us oaks of righteousness so that you will be glorified. You've built us up. You've restored us from our devastation. So, Lord, our souls shall exalt in you. For you have clothed us with garments of salvation. You have covered us with a robe of righteousness. As the earth brings forth its sprouts and as the garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so you, O Lord, cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all nations. So, Lord, send us out to the brokenhearted, to the faint, to the captives, to the distressed and to the harassed and to those wandering aimless without a shepherd. Send us out with compassion and with the message of good news that you have brought to us. Amen. At this time, you can um, pause the video or just stop it, and uh, the instructions for communion are there, and you can participate in that, um, whether you're by yourself or with other people, or you can continue on as I, I lead us in our time of communion. Each week, you gather around the table, because all the good news we just heard about, we forget, and we celebrate and remember the arrival of Jesus, our Redeemer. Luke 1 says that he came to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. So if we take, the, take hold of the bread and cup, says the Lord Jesus, on the night of his arrest, he took bread, and after giving thanks to God, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Same way he took the cup and he said, This cup is the new covenant sealed in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the saving death of the risen Lord until he comes. Gracious God, may we who have received these symbols live in the unity of your Holy Spirit that we may show forth your love and your gifts to the world. And we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.